my guest today is Nigel Hawthorne. Nigel is a marketing director at McAfee. With Nigel, we talked about how to sell and market complex technology. We also talked about B2B marketing and copywriting. I've had a great chat with Nigel. His name is Nigel Hawthorne. Nigel, hello. Thank you so much for uh, joining me today for this new episode. Um, guys, today I'm with Nigel Hawthorne, who is EMEA Marketing Director at McAfee. Uh, Nigel, thank you again for uh, for taking the time. Uh, and Great, it's start, good to be uh, here. Yeah, thanks. I uh, really uh, I'm looking forward to this. Um, before we start, can you maybe uh, introduce yourself a bit more to the audience? Yeah, sure. So I've been in business to business marketing for most of my working life, and I've had a great opportunity to live and work um, in the UK, do a lot in Europe. Uh, I was based in the States for a couple of years. I also ran marketing for Asia Pac for a year or so. Um, so I've been around and seen an, a lot of different people and the way they consume information, the sort of information they need is often quite different. And that's made me realize how uh, marketing is a skill where you're constantly learning. Thanks. Um, I, I've seen that you have um, you've had actually a very strong focus on uh, cybersecurity and security in your career. Is uh, can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah. So uh, I started work when uh, well laptops didn't exist, but uh, small PCs did, and I've just sort of followed the technology as it's gone through connectivity for computers through then remote access and yes quite a lot into security both from a point of view of mobile devices web access and now cloud so as technologies have moved on and new ones have uh, arrived i've been very lucky to be able to follow them and try to help market what at the time is always something new to the audience that i want to talk to yeah, I think uh, for the, I mean, the past 20 years being in technology, especially as a marketer, is like a, is like being in a in a candy store for a, for a child because you're like uh, there's so much uh, new things happening. It's very exciting and uh, uh, it's definitely one of the sectors I I, I wanted to to work in as well as a, as a marketer. It's it's a very exciting industry. Um, before I, I just wanted to to uh, so I have actually checked your uh, uh, you know the your, the position you have at McAfee right now. And um, so you are um, interested in uh, private data and GDPR. Uh, can you tell us a bit more about that and what you actually do right now and uh, the kind of content you're creating? Yeah, so GDPR is a good example of trying to look at the bigger picture and why people might need whatever it is you're marketing. So go back a few years before GDPR came out, um, I realized that the company I worked for at the time was often coming up against people who are asking questions about data protection and privacy. If we as a technology company can see what someone is doing on their phone, is that okay? Um, how would you answer the governance, risk and compliance people who ask questions of the IT people? So uh, what I saw was in many organizations, you've got silos of skill. And you've got people in risk and legal who understand the laws and regulations. You've got people in IT who have technologies that can implement policies, but they didn't know how to talk to each other. 
And so I wrote a book called GDPR, an action guide for IT. And really the whole idea of that was to give IT a bit of an understanding of what to ask the governance people. Now, was this directly related to um, the company that I worked for? No, not exactly. But did it allow me to bring in some of the messages about the company and the product and the market? Of course it did. It allowed me to talk to a bigger audience and try to get people to understand not just what you do as a company, but why and how implementing it correctly can give uh, benefits to those audiences who may be stakeholders, but aren't actually the buyers. So I think that, you know, it's a lesson for life, really. Look at the bigger picture, why somebody might um, need the product or solution that you are promoting, and try to talk to those other stakeholders, um, and definitely understand the why, and talk about that, and think about that before the what that your company does. So what you're saying is that you're not actually uh, in charge of kind of evangelizing um, everything around privacy data and GDPR uh, in your company. It's just something you're doing as sort of a marketing acquisition type of uh, project on, this, on the side, right? Is that, is that a, how I should understand it? Um, I'm not responsible for the company's own stance and data protection and privacy, but I am the person that you would come to if you said, I'd like to implement cloud computing, but I'm worried about this regulation. And it might not be GDPR, it might be any regulation you've got um, for your vertical market or your geography. Um, how can I use this service, but also conform to those regulations? And so what I tend to write to those sorts of questions would be a tabular form document that says, this is what the regulation says, this is what it means and here's how we can help. I see. Yeah, I actually checked your, uh, you have a video that is featured, a uh, YouTube video featured on your uh, LinkedIn profile. It's, uh, I thought it was very, really well written and, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, informative and I really enjoyed uh, watching it. Um, so tell us about uh, kind of the, the top priorities you have Thank right you. now in terms of projects and uh, marketing projects you have going on. Yeah, I, I think that right now what I'm trying to do is um, is actually something that I've been doing for quite a long time. It's, it's I'm a translator. I'm a translator between engineers who develop very highly sophisticated products and customers who perhaps aren't so interested in individual features but want to know what it means to them. And so um, I'm writing materials that maybe are a bit technical and you know even the conversation we've just had on data protection might have put people off but it's just an example of looking at the bigger picture and what um, in b2b marketing your product or service can try to give to the audience so right now um, we've got a series of products that are taking a more complex technology down market so um, We've been talking about cloud security now for seven years. And as you can imagine, seven years ago, really the only people who would buy it would be organizations that are the most paranoid about using the cloud or they're the furthest ahead in using the cloud. But today, actually lots more people are talking about it. So how can you simplify some of the messages 
and make them appropriate for a broader audience who are never going to know or care about all of the um, technology that you have, but need to know relatively quickly uh, what it is that you do, why they need to do it. And so if I look at uh, what's coming out soon, there's going to be a sort of two minute animation that I've written where I'm distilling what maybe a few years ago you would spend two hours discussing into 120 seconds. And that's, that's not easy, but that's what the job is. Let's translate things into bite-sized pieces that are easy to uh, consume. Yeah, that's, this is great actually, because um, it's, it's one of the, uh, I think the issues with a lot of tech companies in general, especially companies that are doing enterprise tech and kind of uh, high level tech. And it's, uh, it's getting uh, very like jargony very fast. Uh, so, you know, uh, I think it's a very exciting work you're doing because, uh, and I don't know if you have any tips about it because actually uh, uh, as soon as you're uh, doing marketing for, for a tech company, which I, I did for some time, uh, that was a really big part of my job. Actually, I had a lot of, I had spent a lot of time understanding, uh, you know, the features of the product, which is one thing, but also the impact and how I can translate this into a benefit, into a value for the customer, which was, uh, again, a very challenging job in the end. And, uh, you know, that actually came to me as a marketer and not. Uh, yeah, not to, I, yeah. Absolutely. I think that, you know, in a way, maybe one of my great skill sets is that I'm not super technical. I haven't written a line of code and, um, I find that some people who are really deeply involved in the technology actually find it quite difficult to articulate because they don't necessarily realize that the audience aren't as fascinated as they are by whatever it is you're delivering. Um, let's take it out of the IT space. You know, many of us um, drive cars and um, Okay, now I've got, got an electric car, it's, um, it's slightly different, but before then, you'd have a car with an internal combustion engine in. Do I know how an internal combustion engine works? If it failed, would I know how to fix it? Well, no and no. Do I care? No, frankly, that's someone else's problem. I expect to buy a car that will get me from one place to another. I think in the IT world, we've expected our customers to learn about our piece of the technology. And actually, sometimes you need to throw some of that away and not bother with the details up front about exactly what is going on, because you'll lose many of your customers who don't want to learn about the internal workings of an internal combustion engine. They just want to know, you know, what color is it? How fast is it? Where can I put my uh, my coffee while I'm driving? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, that's the whole customer-centric approach that, uh, you know, you, you kind of need to learn as a marketer today, especially when dealing with new products, new technologies. Um, so you, you've, been a, you've been a B2B marketer for a while now. And uh, I'm curious to know after like so many years of experience, kind of, you know, what do you think is, uh, you know, something you could share with us about B2B marketing that is, you know, uh, things that, that actually, you know, work, things that you stand by, uh, after so many years uh, in order to, to be successful in B2B marketing? Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll give you a few uh, um, thoughts here. Number one is there are always a process in your customer. So do you have a message for them all? 
So it may be, you know, what's your message for the chief financial officer? What's your message for the head of HR? What's your message for the users who are using this system? And sometimes I ask those questions and people are shocked and they think, oh, I hadn't thought about that. But you've got to have something that is important and useful for all of those people and everyone else who might be involved in the decision. Don't think of just talking to one person. But I guess that goes along with actually don't write anything until you know who you're writing for. You know, I quite often get emails from people saying, oh, could you write me a little document on this? And I'll respond with, who's the audience? You know, where, what's the deadline? That's always the question. But, you know, who's the audience? What, what is it that you, you want to get across? And they might, might say, oh, the audience is this company. So, no, no, no. By audience, I mean, you know, what's that person's job title? What's their motivation? Maybe you even um, try to get into more detail Let's have a whiteboard where we write down my target customer is this age, this sex, this amount of background has been in this industry for this amount of time. They've got this budget. They've got this need. And then you find that all of a sudden writing the assets gets so much easier because, you know, you're writing for one individual. The other thing I would say is know when to collaborate and when to work alone. Um, and. That's a tricky one. You know, complex and technical documentation, usually I'll be collaborating with multiple people to try to make sure that I've included all the messages. But I'll go back to this animation that's coming out. Um, sometimes you just need to work alone. If you're trying to write something that is pithy, that's very short and succinct, if you involve too many people, they will all all throw in different words and phrases and sentences that they want and in the end you'll you'll come up with something that unfortunately doesn't work so know when to collaborate and when to work on your own and then the other thing that i often do and now that i'm working from home even more than i have in the past uh, my wife realizes is i'll talk to myself i will read what i've written i will read it out loud as if i'm um, giving a presentation to people because then you'll know, does it flow? You know, does this seem to make sense? And I think that quite often you can see something written down and in your head, you think it's fine. And then when you read it out loud, you realize, oh my God, that sentence was um, way too long. You know, I had too many clauses in there. It really didn't make sense. So um, that's, I think, a good uh, small little technique to follow as well. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, thanks for sharing this. I, um, uh, you know, I, I think the the writing part is. Uh, I think all marketers are kind of obsessed with writing, and uh, actually, it's something you need to enjoy in order to be good at, at your job. In, in a sense, um, do you have other tips about writing? Do you have uh, things that you do, or the way you approach the um, you know copywriting in general that you can share with us? I've sometimes written a list of questions, maybe a list of 12 questions before I start writing the asset, whatever it might be, and make sure that I'm answering each of those questions. And maybe even in what I write, ask questions. I know that if I look at when I'm involved giving presentations at an event, a lot of my abstracts about the presentation are actually sets of questions, trying to get the audience to think, well, those are the same sort of questions I've got. Great, I'll carry on reading this because uh, hopefully 
the person who wrote it is smart enough to be answering those questions. Even if at the end all those questions disappear, at least you've used it as a guide to make sure that you're writing the appropriate information. Yeah, I really like this uh, advice because uh, I think the um, one of the the things that I, I you know I like to uh, do whenever I, I'm I'm writing something is of course understanding the audience, but also understanding the the problem that um, I'm going to try and solve with whatever I'm writing. Um, and usually, I think writing the, that problem um, and uh, as a question and actually listing uh, kind of the the you know portraying that problem with a list of questions could be a could be a great a great uh, you know insight insight and, and something you should do when you're whenever you're writing something that uh, eventually you want to you know you want to sell something you want to people to engage with it so uh, if you're not addressing a problem if you're not answering a question well then it's uh, it's hard to keep reading it's hard to engage with especially when you're <laughs> writing about uh, something as complex as uh, tech can be, or as uh, uh, you know, it ha you have to. Uh, yeah, I guess it's a. Uh, so yeah, thanks. Thanks for this advice. I uh, I think it's a it's a great tip. Um, I, I want to ask you about. Uh, you know, we we talk about uh, uh, the the marketer's job and how to be good at it and the kind of things you need to keep in mind, but. Uh, at the end of the day, I'm always curious to, to know, and I ask this to, to many of my guests here, uh, what really drives you as a marketer and what really motivates you? And, uh, you know, when, when do you feel like, hey, I'm, I'm really excited about my job. I really love this, uh, uh, this job I'm having and marketing things to people. Like, what, what motivates you to do this? Yeah, I, I think you do have to have a mind that is constantly asking questions and constantly thinking, is there a better way of getting across this message? And, you know, remembering that audiences will take in information in different ways. Uh, some people like reading dense technical texts. Some people like videos. Some people like listening to podcasts. So you've got to make sure that you're giving the answers in the various different ways. But I, I think what, what drives me sometimes is you know, keep learning, be open to different opinions, um, always ask questions. But maybe I'm standing in front of a couple of hundred people for 30 minutes or so talking about a particular topic. If it goes well and people ask me for more information afterwards, I know I've engaged with the audience. You know, when I'm educating and informing people, um, that's when I feel uh, the happiest, I guess. Um, but the other thing I think is, you know, this job is fantastic because there can be constant variety and you can go out and suggest things yourself that maybe someone else hasn't done. It's not as if every day is the same. You really have the ability if you choose. And if you worked for me and came up to me and said, hey, I've got this idea, Nigel, you know, what if we produce this? I would feel that's fantastic because I can encourage you. We can work on it together and being able to look at things from a slightly different way, I think uh, is is the spice of life, really. It is. Um, and so you talked about, um, uh, I guess, just the, the relationship you can have with uh, with people coming coming up, coming to you with uh, with uh, advice or propositions or ideas. Uh, do you have anyone you're mentoring currently, anyone you're managing that you, or managing or mentoring or someone you're following that, uh, 
you know, you can talk about and kind of share about this relationship a little bit? Yeah, so, you know, in, in any organization of any size, there's always constant movement and you may be working with someone either directly or indirectly um, for a while and then that person moves on and you start working with someone else. And in these times where so many of us are working from home, uh, I actually, I don't think, have met my current boss or somebody who's working for me. So both of them, I'm talking to over video, they're in a different country than I'm in, and you've got to try to make a rapport, and it's not easy. That is absolutely true. So knowing that, unfortunately, hiring can be some of the you know most expensive mistakes you can make by losing the time from putting the wrong person in the wrong job, you've got to quickly try to build a rapport. Make sure you can understand each other well both personally as well as in business. You know, what time do you like to work? Are there times when you can't work because you're doing something else? Maybe you're taking your kids to school or bringing them back, you know? Do you like to work at night? Would you rather talk or would you rather send emails? I know it's it sounds like, you know, bang, 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 thousands of questions. It's not really like that, but try to make sure that you're working with your colleagues in a way that uh, works for them and not, you know, I insist that we must have this weekly meeting. If that doesn't work for them, then, you know, don't, don't do it because you'll just find that they are demotivated. I think it's interesting across cultures because uh, some people are obviously more open than others. Uh, some cultures are more open than others. And, um, you know, do be careful. You don't necessarily want the other person to feel that you're stalking them. You know, you can't work with me unless you've told me um, about your family situation. But I think the more you know about the people you work with, the better you can understand them and work together. I think I'm typically a very open person and I try to copy people in what I'm doing and encourage them to make comments back just so that they can see that when we need to work together, I'm someone who's likely to be open and honest about what we're doing and happy to collaborate. Yeah, thanks Thanks for this. I, um, I, it's, the, it's not the first time I, I, on the podcast I hear about, uh, you know, not meeting a, a boss or a colleague or someone, you know, uh, fresh on the team uh, because of COVID and, and the remote work situation and uh, um, how, how was the, this past year for you in terms of uh, remote work and uh, dealing with the, with the COVID? Like, what was the real impact in, in your in your day-to-day -day and, you know, professionally for you? What, what happened? Yeah, I mean, I feel very lucky that I've been working from home for many years already. And so it hasn't necessarily been, um, you know, a complete 180 degree turn for me. However... I do like to stand up and wave my arms around and draw on whiteboards when I'm communicating with people and sharing ideas. And so I'm definitely missing that. Also, it's so much more difficult when you are presenting over a screen for someone to interrupt. And so trying to make sure you've got a real conversation going rather than a one way uh, broadcast um, is tricky. It, it is difficult. And I think that um, 
you know, I look forward to the days when, um, uh, when we can get out again. But in the meantime, there are technologies that can help us. And, you know, we should embrace those technologies and um, realize that it's difficult for everybody. And I think cut people a bit more slack. So, you know, there's lots of questions, I think, about people's mental health if they are struggling to work from home. And I think that even though I may be very lucky that I have the facilities I have and I've been used to working from home, some people really, it, it has been new, different and very, very difficult. And we need to recognize that and ensure that we're giving people the sort of pastoral care uh, to make sure that they feel okay and they're delivering what they want to and not necessarily perhaps push them as hard as as we would if we saw them on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, that life is to be lived as well as to uh, deliver work. Yeah, absolutely. Agree on with that on you. Uh, I agree with that with you 100%. I think it's, uh, uh, especially in these times where it's, uh, uh, you know, I think people are kind of reevaluating what is really important and what's not. And uh, I think it's important to find that kind of uh, I would say, yeah, um, kindness and openness and, uh, and, and flexibility from your employer and from your team in general. Um, I think it's a, it's a very important moment to, to kind of, uh, you know, uh, build this in a, in a team. And, uh, so yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, I, um, uh, I know you have uh, you've had a long career in B2B marketing and, and in the tech sector and uh, um, you know what are the things that you feel like you still need to improve you still want to learn uh, could be something completely new that you you want to explore or it could be something that you've been practicing for a while but maybe you want to take it another level uh, what are the things you want to learn what do I want to learn it's well I think I said it before, let's ask questions and keep asking questions because we're always learning. Um, my dad is over 85 years old and he's still learning. And he is one of these people who's constantly asking questions, both of himself and of everybody else. And I think that keeps you young and keeps you fresh. And you know, one of the worst phrases in the world is, we don't do it that way um, because someone has decided, you know, I stopped learning. I, I've stopped learning how to do things and the decision is it's this way. And actually, you know, if COVID's taught us anything, it's that you shouldn't be um, assuming that tomorrow is going to be like yesterday. I think the other thing is to try to have some balance and have something else in your life. And again, COVID is a reminder of that. So um, if I go back a few years, I was spending most of my time talking or typing or writing presentations, etc., And I decided I need to do some more creative things with my hands, um, you know, creating music, painting. I actually um, built some walls out in my garden and uh, I know Winston Churchill did this, but it, you know, it was interesting to think, okay, I can do this. This is not that difficult, but actually, you know, the higher you get, the more difficult it is to make sure that uh, the top bricks, it's on the brick below. It's unusual to be able to try something new and different and actually I think it's very refreshing to do something that is totally separate from uh, what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. 
you've got to keep learning. You'll never know it all. Be open to other people and different opinions and always, always ask questions. Yeah, I, um, it's, it's interesting because uh, uh, I do feel like when you're learning uh, something outside of work that has you know, uh, no link, direct link with whatever you're doing, it really kind of teaches you a bit more about yourself and so makes you better at whatever job you're doing. And so, yeah, building uh, walls in, 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 a garden, in your garden could be a, could be a good, good way to do it. Uh, but on the marketing side, like on talking about like really hard skills about, I don't know, uh, uh, using, uh, use, you know, building dashboards, uh, using uh, certain channels, um, are there anything or anything that you, you kind of feel like you, you want to learn, you want to, you know, could be uh, coding, could be something else. Like, is there anything you identified like a sort of a, a skill you'd like to master? The hard skills, the... Um absolutes of uh you know metrics and and coding and so on more the soft skills of what are the other ways people are getting messages across and um you know watch youtube see how the popular youtubers manage to get across a message in um, a couple of minutes and try to think could i do something like that try to think of other ways to talk about what it is that you do uh, and um you know, you mentioned one of the videos, I think it's probably the one that uh, where I'm with an American colleague who's saying to me, can I have a list of um, attributes that are personal data as far as GDPR is concerned? And I'm saying, well, no, because it doesn't work like that. You know, I created and wrote that um, little video because I realized I'd had that conversation 10 or 12 times with different people over a short period of time. And um, I could have written a paper, uh, but I felt that for that particular thing, um, a six minute video was probably the best way to get it across. So I think that, you know, the skill that I'm constantly learning is, is there a new way to talk to a new audience? And it isn't necessarily a, a single uh, discipline. It isn't, um, you know, how do I get uh, uh, better ratings on Google, for instance. I'll let other people do that. I see. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting uh, way of seeing things because it's actually in any case, like whatever we're doing, we at some point as marketers, we're producing content and then we're distributing it. I mean, that's kind of the uh, the basics of the job is the, what, what we're doing like on a daily basis. And so I feel like, um, you know, understanding the different formats and all the capabilities they have and all the, the, the reach they can have and how you can master them is, uh, is really the, the core thing that um, you should get better at. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's not easy. So I think it's, uh, uh, it's a good way to really test and see what other people are doing. And uh, like you said, like get inspiration from other fields of other industries. Um, so, yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. Uh, all right. So to, to wrap up the, the episode, I just wanted to ask you about uh, the kind of books you could recommend people, the kind of resources that you learn from, uh, you've, you've learned from in the past and you, you'd like, uh, you know, people to, to read and, uh, uh, and use as well. Do you have anything to recommend to, to the audience? For sure. So um, I've got a number of different books here and probably the three that I go back to uh, the most are these three and they're for three different areas of marketing. So 
One of them is a series of books called Crossing the Chasm, or there's one called The Chasm Companion. What this talks about is um, that as a technology is designed and comes out, the audience, the customers who buy it change over time from people who are early adopters and are really keen to know all about the technology through to the early and late majority and so on. And the books remind you that they have different motivations. And if you're not careful, you will find you have a successful business at the beginning, uh, marketing to those early adopters. And then all of a sudden, business sort of gets to be a struggle as you haven't changed your messaging for the next audience along. So certainly I think crossing the chasm books are really useful. A second one um, is called When Cultures Collide, leading across cultures what it really is is a book that covers almost every country in the world and what motivates the people there what uh, is normal for them the sort of advice on how to do business in different countries and when i was running marketing for apac i would have this and make sure that i was reading about the country that i was going to before i went there because we are all different and look at the world in a different way and of course you know this is a generalization for uh, different countries so by no means um absolutely 100 percent for everybody but if you're working in international marketing i think that's a great book and then the third one is about presentations i love giving presentations and my presentations are usually built around a story they are uh usually with very little text they um will often try to remind people about the why a long time before we get to the what you know why are we here what's what are your problems before we talk about any technology in fact sometimes people might accuse me of giving presentations where i hardly mention what it is my company does at all but the book that helps with presentations is called the presentation secrets of steve jobs and it's pretty short but it's a great book at reminding you that really you are writing a play you are the writer director and main actor in a 30-minute play or whatever length of time it is you need to take people on a story you need to keep their attention and um it's a great book i think to remind people that you don't just take a straight bit of text put it on a screen and then read it to them and um if there's one thing that uh, uh is terrible i think it's often um presentations that i go to where the person speaking is not engaging they're not really asking questions they're not really making the audience think they're just turning up and giving them enormous amounts of information with no context so this book the presentation of secrets of steve jobs i also think is fantastic Great, thank you, Nigel. Um, all right, do you have a do you have anywhere we could follow you, or uh, you know, if people wanted to ask you a question or uh, uh, just follow yeah, your sure. Yeah, sure. Please follow me on Twitter at Where's Nigel. Um, and Where's Nigel used to be appropriate because I used to travel around the world. Uh, the answer to Where's Nigel now is Nigel's at home. But uh, at Where's Nigel is where I am. Or look for me on uh, LinkedIn. Absolutely no problem. We can connect there as well. It's a great business to be in. I think marketing is a fantastic discipline with opportunities for all sorts of different people with different backgrounds. And uh, I hope everybody has as much fun in marketing as I do. All right, thank you. Thank you, Nigel. Thank you for your time.
Thanks a lot.